Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So I had asked the question the last episode, um, is there a general hockey-related question that you'd like to see players asked that doesn't normally get asked by the media? <laughs> All right, you have the evil maniacal laugh, so I'll let you go first, <laughs> and then... We'll see if I can't top it. <clears throat> I bantied about with three or four of them and and came back to nobody challenges players in scrums. Nope. And I think ultimately that's the overarching question I would ask is a is is you know, why didn't you pass to so and so? Why did you know, something along those lines. It's, I, they do it to the coaches, kind of, but they don't do it to the players. And it drives me nuts. <clears throat> so I don't have a specific question. I just have a genre of questions, which is just, Basically, you know, what happened, it's not the what happened on the goal or this or that. It's the specifics of a player versus player interaction that led to something. And not something good, you know, because you get the, oh, you know, talk about that spectacular goal you scored in the third. Stop. I hate those. Uh, Those drive me nuts. When did you realize that you could walk Morgan Riley? You know, <laughs> at what point did you know you had Morgan Riley? Connor McDavid would just be inundated with these, right? <laughs> at what point did the fear of God come into Morgan Riley's eyes? I'm just going back to the one goal where he broke his ankles. Cause right. yeah. So uh, I don't have one question. I just have, I'll call it a sub genre of, qu- of questions. Last night. (laughs) Last night's a prime example. I'll leave it to Mr. Clark to answer. Um, How overrated is coaching? (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I do need to um, preface that by saying the player gets full immunity, but how overrated? And then how full of horse manure is your head coach? <laughs> my god sometimes this game is overthought um, uh, and that's why the game that I'm sure we'll talk about in just a few minutes last night was quite a spectacular show just despite the lopsided score um, <laughs> too much structure too much like guys that are in slumps that yet aren't playing with the right type of line mates. You know, a guy, you know, he, he's skating with a third, you know, the third line when he could be playing with, you know, the top two players on the team yet he's with guys and they're all good defensively, but no one can make a tape to tape pass. And no one is moving through the neutral zone with speed. So 
But enough about the San Jose Sharks. (laughs) San Jose Sharks. uh, St. Louis Blues. uh, I mean, I think it was applicable to about seven games last night. Oh. So that wasn't the game you were referring to that we were going to refer to? I mean, we'll get to it. Oh, the the Sharks. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sitting here laughing go, uh, with your with your question because it seems to me that the teams I've watched that tend to play the best or not have these substantial periods of lulls or lethargy or whatever you want to call them seem to me that have the coaches that stay the hell out of the way. And I'm specifically thinking of somebody like Broad Brendamore. I don't think he's in there X's and owing. I don't think anybody on his staff is X's and owing them to death. Not yeah. not anywhere near a Rob or a Bob a Bob a Bob <laughs> Mike Cock <laughs> Mike Babcock I mean, level. I mean of X's Bob knowing. You know, Rod Zad, Bob Brendamore might have taught him a few things. At one point yeah. out in BC, so yeah, uh, Tortorella has always been noted as not an X and O's guy, right? People always get on him; he doesn't know tactics, or he's not a big tactician. No, he's just a motivator, and that's all coaches are or should be at the end of the day. And it's funny that you mentioned tactician. So I got to see Vegas and new, newly installed head coach Pete DeBoer uh, Friday night. You mean, and, you mean the Stanley Cup champions for this year, Vegas Golden Knights? If they can find a goaltender. Um, they will. Although Malcolm Subban looked yes, he like did. an all-star Friday night, but that's neither don't, here nor there. Don't sleep on, don't sleep on Subban. Um, I, don't, I don't think goaltending was their problem. No, and what I was going to say is DeBoer, he has a reputation, and rightfully so. He comes in and, you know, he... He, he provides an instant spark. Like he, he kind of pushes the pieces into the right places, gets the configuration right, and they do well. And then everything falls off because he probably is an X's and O's guy at the end of the day. Um, but wow, was that team suffocating to watch to the point where, yeah, they could still make a run uh, as long as they get to play a Pacific Division team in the first and second round. If they can avoid maybe the crossover and, or maybe they don't have to play both Edmonton and Calgary, should, you know, all those teams actually make the playoffs, um, he, you know, he, he might do the uh, Craig Berube. Because no, no other coaches joined a team <laughs> midway through the season and, and won the Stanley Cup. That, that, Larry, that, that was Larry a Robinson. <laughs> So yeah, um, coaches are overrated. My columns. He's <laughs> <laughs> eleven. Well, seeing seeing as how there's no section three twenty eight to write for anymore, I don't know. You're just gonna post your column on the telephone pole outside the mail, outside the post office. Uh, no, we're just going to start shouting it at the press box uh, during games. Oh, 
Good call. Which, Good call. There, there are some things uh, we are recording, you know, uh, Sunday, February 2nd, and I just returned from a Hurricanes-Vancouver Canucks uh, match, and things were shouted in the general direction of the press box, and the look Manny Malholcher, I believe, Vancouver assistant coach, gave uh, my section was, wait, what did he just say? Um, and, and it was quite hilarious as um, someone was shouting about how how terribly officiated the game is and how big a cheaters they were and how one of the Hurricanes um, communication people was a, 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 a even worse cheater in the local media ball hockey game before the season. And um, <laughs> That got quite the chuckle, even from uh, Vancouver Press. So, okay. it, and, but you guys leave Sarah Sivian out of this. Yeah. Oh no, she she was fine. <laughs> She's already put put several people in their place in the section. So, oh, that doesn't surprise me one one iota. Um, that that is that is an apt question because. As we are recording on on Superb Owl or Super Bowl or whatever you want to call it, the big game Sunday, so we don't get trademark infringed. Um, they always laud, you know, the the chess game that is football. You know, the master tacticians. It's you know getting everything. The minute the ball snaps, everything goes to hell. The best laid plans <laughs> of mice and men, and you spend. 40 seconds of clock time preparing and everybody, you know, motions and doing lineups and, and, and snap counts in the whole nine yards. And the minute the play launches, everything just goes to hell. Don't kid yourself. Hockey is that 30 second play in football for the entire game. How do you coach? You can have some set plays here and there for like, you know, Oh, if I have a second behind the net to run this breakout play, then we're going to do this. But how often do you get a second where there isn't someone from the other team just completely barreling down on you? So it's position. BNA General's place. BNA General place. And we do this. You know, I was watching Miracle again the other night. And the 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 sort of training montage, you know, the Rocky-esque training montage where he's breaking these wild horses and getting them to play hockey, and he's he's diagramming plays on the plexiglass, you know. This guy does, you know, F1 does this, F2 does this, F3 does this, so what do we got? And they're all just blank staring at him. And then a few months later, and they're all, like, reciting the same thing. You just tell them to kind of go into certain places and do this, and that's what you do. They're, I'm not denigrating the X's and O tacticians because you certainly can do it in hockey. I'm looking at you, Barry Trotz. But a team like the Islanders, who is, for all intent and purposes, I'll say it, overcoached, is just as successful as a team, and I'll use the Carolina Hurricanes because I believe that they are highly undercoached in the sense that I don't think Rod's drilling them into the ground are having equal amounts of success. That's and I will, now, I will now stop my rant. And, I, and it's got, 
it's as much to do with execution and you it's the players buy you know they always say it's the players buying into the system the biggest influence i think a coach can have is just having the right players play together and having the wrong players where they can yeah. be and one of my criticisms of brenda moore would be and you can say this about half the coaches as they try to attempt to balance a lineup they can do so at the detriment of someone's offensive skill where you know you you get the one you've got two you know two-way reliable 200-foot players blah 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 but yeah you know their five-on-five accounting stats are garbage you know they, they can they get the secondary assists but when you put a, a real talented player with them, you, you think they're supposed to carry the play. And what they fail to realize is, oh, if those other guys aren't skating fast and can't hold the puck on for several seconds to force, you know, one of the other defenders to do something, then, oh, we can just key in on one player. And I see that happening time and time again on, let's say, <laughs> one line teams. Um I'm sorry. Kyler Yamamoto was on fire uh, last night for 29 uh, seconds. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll table that because that's <laughs> that's just that subject alone is a is a whole segment of it. But I get where you're going, yeah. and and a prime example and something of a prime example of that is the the full 60 podcast with Craig Custance. He had Mike Gillis on on the the most recent episode. And there was uh, sometimes the, that podcast drives me nuts because the the guests tend to pontificate and and just sort of ramble on. But there was a segment where he was talking, where Gillis was talking about um, bringing in a player to play with the Sedins because the group think in Vancouver was they had to have a right-handed shot player because this was the player after they were looking someone to fill that Anson Carter spot after Anson Carter left. Right. So everyone was just in the mindset. They had to have this type of player in. they identified this type of player. They went out for him. They went after him in free agency and all these different things. You know, this guy'd be a perfect fit. He was going to blow their cap number to a certain degree because he was asking for a lot and and it turned out that they had a couple of people in there that said no we should not do this because we have someone here who is not right-handed um or someone who is not you know these other things that people believe fit with them but we believe he can be successful and the person they had made an offer to was Michael Ryder and the person they found the most success with was Alex Burroughs. So the two guys who sort of stood up and went, nah, were pointing at Alex Burroughs and saying, we believe that he'd be a good fit because looking at the stats, these the Sedins need this type of player. Somebody who goes in, gets dirty, digs the puck out, does these sorts of things because they're going to play that certain way around him. So you find that complementary player. And I think that's identifying at the at, at a management level that the coaches should also be doing. And you do get coaches that just don't think that way. And I'm looking again at Mike Babcock. You know, the, the biggest bitches 
against him in the world, and I'm not using the B word in a derogatory or misogynist sense, but the griping sense, was his light-ups. Why did he have this guy playing with this guy and this guy playing with this guy? If you moved these two around, you'd you'd create more balance, like you were saying, Pat, but you'd also, you know, accentuate this guy's characteristics with these two other guys, and you just look at what happened when Keith came in and moved Nylander up with Tavares and put, you know, these those types of complementary players together, they've they've taken off. Now their defense is a complete different story, but coaches from what I've seen over the years and general managers too for that extent, um they tend to focus a lot on reputation and not necessarily actual playing ability. And so when especially when they get new players in and they're trying to assess them, it's the, oh, I've heard this about this guy. I've heard this about this guy. Instead of just looking at the guy and seeing where he fits. And so I don't know how many coaches actually sit there and think about complementary players so much as complementary reputations. That's a really good thought. Because, yeah, as we, I mean, we're less than a month out from the trade deadline and Everyone is assuming the deadline's going to be a dud because, you know, the once upon a time, this was the period where guys on expiring deals on bad teams get moved to playoff contenders. And that's kind of gone by the wayside as people sign long-term deals. And now there's been a shift in finding guys with like one year remaining going into the next season. I sorry, Pat, really quick. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but I also think the other thing with that is um, the mentality of how fast you can turn around is also changed. Mm-hmm. So you're you're less likely to that that guy who's got one year left on his deal that could fetch you some assets. You might be willing to keep because you can turn. You know, you've seen teams turn around within a year. So. There's, I, I think we're in this, to your point, I think we're in this weird space because of that. Yeah, but also we're we're seeing, you know, as Cassie said, there are guys that they just know by reputation only. And sometimes it's for, you know, not always for the good, but I think teams are starting to take flyers on players that they just will let walk the next year as long as they can, you know, push them, you know, another win or two. In the standings. But enough about Matt Duchesne. Um, <laughs> he he gains you wins. He, um, he he has a monkey's the, paw. Can, can can we just say that he has a monkey's paw? He 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 stepped on the wrong crack. He 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 broke some mirrors. Some he did something in Colorado. He looked good in the playoffs for Columbus. He did mm-hmm. not look eight million dollars good. No, he did not look eight million dollars good during the games he played in Colorado, or the games he played in Ottawa, or the games he played in Colorado or um, Columbus. Yeah. Uh, so, to dovetailing on your point, do you want to talk about name recognition? Mm-hmm. Reputation. The got it. And you know yeah. what? The, the Senators did very well. Um, 
by bringing him in for a short period of time and then letting him go. Yeah. So th- they played it the other way. Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why they want players with one year left in the deal on their deal so they can choose whether they want to keep them around or not. Yeah. Sure helps with their accounting. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. I, this is, I think the, now that we're what 15 years into the cap and, and uh, what, seven years into sort of the new contract system, I think you'll start to see different tactics evolve around that. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, the, those, you know, a year or maybe two left on a guy who's kind of a flyer. We've, you know, we've got enough assets to give up. We know we've got some youth. We might be able to turn this around. You could be beneficial. And next thing you know, in year two, they're in the conference finals and challenging for a cup. And then that guy's a UFA and you let him walk. Or you keep them around because you realize he was the piece that like held the locker room together. Potentially, but there's also that side of every every play he makes, every goal he scores, every assist he makes in the playoffs ticks his, you know, turns the odometer on his contract. And yeah. maybe you just get to that point and it's like, yeah, you were fantastic for us, but sorry, you're 28, 29 years old. You want a long-term deal for an exorbitant amount? Not going to be with us. And that's why so. you should trade for Brandon Sod. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway joking, but he only has one more year left in his deal. He does have a modified trade clause that kicks in next year, and then he can be set free. Oh, never mind. He has 23 points currently on the Blackhawks. Yeah, but do you look at that? You know, I I do this again. You look at that and go, there's a potential reclamation project. Because if you're looking at, if you're looking for him to be a top six, not a chance in hell. No, no. He, if you're, he's a, he could be no, he can't. I was gonna say Matt Cullen was always my barometer for. Uh, here's a guy who can play a couple games up in the top six in a pinch, but oh, in the yeah, ideal yeah. world, he is your 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 nine, your your seven through nine forward. He's your third line center, but he can play in all situations. He's, He's not never gonna, gonna cost you. He's not going to cost you. He's never spectacular, but he brings enough. He's he was a guy, and I say was uh, as a former player, um, in his playing career, who stayed in his lane, no matter where he played in the lineup, up or down, he stayed in his lane, which I think, especially on those Pittsburgh teams helps with guys like Crosby and Malkin to know he's going to do this. He's not going to change his game because he's up here with me. He's going to do this. And we can now talk about the magnificence of this Kyler Yamamoto here. 
because <laughs> that's the one thing that Dreisaitl has lacked in that play, which is why they had such a tough time separating them, is Dreisaitl is a magnificent player, but he needs a complimentary player with him. Connor McDavid doesn't, right? That's the difference between McDavid and Dreisaitl and Crosby and uh, Crosby and Malkin actually don't need complimentary players. They can do it all by themselves. McDavid could do by them all by himself. Um, Ovechkin needs a little bit of a complimentary player, right? There has to be that little jigsaw piece that completes them. And that's why Kyler Yamamoto has just been a revelation for that team. He brought in, he is able to fit so well with dry settle. They can put anyone else they want on the other wing. It's not going to make a bit of difference because those two have been in lockstep. And now, you know, McDavid can just float up there with guy and guy. (laughs) And he's still going to get four points a night (laughs) because guy one and guy two are just going to, okay, great. We're going to go to the net and actually we'll just stand here because by the time we think about what we need to do, he's already at the other end of the ice. (laughs) Again, though, it's, it's going by reputation and not by actual ability. I mean, you have 23 players on your team. How hard is it really to figure out how these guys actually play? (laughs) <laughs> so Edmonton got lucky with Yamamoto and, you know, they just clicked. But, I mean, that wasn't deliberate, I'm sure. No, they kept throwing things at the wall because they were – they. this is an interesting scenario, and I, I'm supposing here, but they kept throwing things at the wall because they didn't have a lot of mo- room to move. They're up against a cap. They've got contracts that are coming due. They've got, you know, the guys that are expiring and yada, yada, yada. They didn't have a lot of wiggle room, so they had to hope that they had something on their roster or in their system that would be that complimentary player. And they just kept throwing things at the wall. That's all they could do. You know, they, they, they'd try and break him up and they'd put Drysaddle down with, like, you know, Patrick Russell and Nygaard. And those guys are just not that type of player. They, he knows what they're going to do, but even they're not complementary to to the style of play that either McDavid or Drysaddle plays. You know, McDavid just goes and does it, and they get an assist by accident. But <laughs> Drysaddle tends to make plays and be a player. So, God, he looked on fire last night, by the way. Can we get into it now? Yes. <laughs> goalie fight, goalie fight, goalie fight. <laughs> I felt bad for David Riddick. Or Riddick, or however, whatever broadcaster was uh, calling the game last night. I, I feel like every time I, I hear it just pronounced slightly differently and not in the Bob Cole, Chuck Caton way. <laughs> where it's vastly different because he asked the guy. I asked the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he, he missed out, and he's a ball of personality, and he I'm sure he would have had fun. Uh, he, he had no fun last night. Oh. No fun at all last night. Everyone else around him had fun. He had no fun. 
I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised he got pulled as early as he did. I don't think it was on him either. Uh, no, I don't either. But I'm still, I'm still kind of surprised he got he got pulled as early as he did. Because mm, I don't know. I just that was one of those that if you wanted to shake the team up, I think there were other ways in that game they could have got that team that the Flames woken up. But as we saw later. Uh, I loved it that was so old school it was so much fun and they the Oilers god bless them they looked possessed last night that was just fun like even midway through the second when they closed the gap to what was it 4-3 uh, uh, 4-2, then 5-3. Yeah, they got they closed it in, yeah. Yeah, they got, I think it was Lindholm. He, he yeah. had, uh, I think it was the first against uh, uh, Mr. Talbot. And, like, Edmonton, or Calgary was really showing life. And then just, you know, less than a minute later, <laughs> the Nugent Hopkins goal, and it was just like, they had their Edmonton had their foot on the gas all night. And oh, yeah. I pray to God these two teams are tied with a playoff spot in the line for the final game of the season. Because, <laughs> so... oh. Can we get them in the first round? I want them in yeah. every round. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, for all the Canadian naval gazing, we, we, do hear about oh if there were only a toronto montreal first round series no i want that i want to see this because these guys are entertaining right now they're right and that's exactly it right now oh this is and and i'll I'll go back and praise at the altar of kyler yamamoto again because that depth of scoring is there edmonton is a completely different team Mm -hmm. Because if he doesn't score that goal as fast as he does, I mean, it's a completely different game. But oh, that yeah. just, that just, the team was in gear, they were ready to go, and then they they dropped it into the fifth gear. They dropped the hammer yeah. immediately after. And even when um, uh, Mad Libs fill in Buddy Robinson scores for the Flames... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I was watching the game on mute because um, I was catching up on some other podcasts, and you know I see okay some guy named Robinson. Oh, he must be a recent call up. And then I looked at the score sheet this morning. I was like, nope. <laughs> only in hockey would someone have that name, buddy. Buddy <laughs> Rob. <clears throat> well, it's like yeah. time traveler. Yeah, seriously. Did uh, you know the whole backstory why he was even there, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's he uh, played with Johnny Goudreau when they were kids, and he and Goudreau are friends. Mm. So this this is a guy that's been around, knocking around professional hockey for a while, and you know, good good on him. You know, I'm not a good on him. Not gonna knock it one way or the other. The guy's playing in the NHL. 
And after he scored, Goudreau wrapped around and grabbed the puck for him because it wasn't his first NHL goal. It was his first goal with the Flames with his buddy Johnny Goudreau. So, huh. yeah, I, I love Mad Libs player. <laughs> oh, God, that game was so much fun. It just, I want to ask, um, I want to, I want to ping somebody in the media to ask the question of what the hell Drysaddle did this off season, because he looks like a completely different skater. He never had that breakaway speed, break away from another player's speed before. He was just a big body who knew where to be positionally, who could get around the ice, but he let his hands do most of the work for him. He, in the last couple of weeks alone, he has shown some pretty explosive speed. So, and the knock against him in his drafter was, you know, great hands, great vision, great shooting, yada, yada, everything but skating, right? Just a big lumbering hippopotamus around the ice type. (laughs) I don't remember. I think somebody called him that. He's like he's like a big hippopotamus around the ice. You know, he just kind of flopped around. So I want to know what he's done. Maybe he just went to the McDavid School of Training. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I I pray more and more guys spend less time, you know, in the weight room and more time. He look he looks a little more nimble, but I mean yeah, I mean I know John Tavares being held up as a poster boy for skating mechanics is one thing, but it's not that hard to correct in my mind. No, it is. You you just cannot do it in season. No, no, you can't. No, you you cannot change the programming at that point. Um, but it's it's pretty simple just to get a little extended, you know, a little extra leg extension. And you have, after your muscles have recovered from the season, and you can train it pretty easily. It'd probably only take a week or two. And then a proper toe kick, and you can pick up at least a half to a full step on half the guys in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And that's... Because trust me, I saw Tyler Myers dance around Jordan Stahl today, and oh my gosh, I thought the world was coming to an end. Because there are two large gentlemen who can move swiftly, but are not what I would call um, great skaters. I was going to say, Tyler Myers? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep talking, I'm going to bite my tongue. (laughs) So... um, yeah, because when large things are in motion and they're set in motion, they can stay in motion, and that's the only reason they can, you know, keep up with other players. Mm. Okay, let's bring physics into this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just think a couple small things, you know, when you're spending less time playing, you know, summer shinny, And I don't even think you have to go full power skating. I think you could do, you know, 30 minutes a day, three times a week. And then you spend the rest of the time doing some small area puck movement. And you could probably cut your ice time over the summer down, but really get faster. It's just retraining the mechanics. Yeah. It's just re- and, and retraining the muscles. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes it's not even retraining, and it's just going back to how it should be because you haven't yeah. gotten back to basics in a long time. Yeah, or you when, may have developed a bad habit here and there. Yeah. 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 When when you have had to slow down at some point early in your career to let guys stay with you. And then, okay, now all of a sudden you're on this level playing field and you're just putting, you know, pure hustle or adrenaline into something and you're, you're overworking, um, which those players become the coach's dreams because as we established earlier, they don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> so just, just, yeah, just they know what they're things. doing, but they're doing it in a, in a not very productive way. <laughs> Okay, but enough about Cody CC. Um, <laughs> oh, it's just a poster boy for whipping. And uh, you know, I think all fan bases have their whipping boys. His oh, some... is just his is justifiable. Um, some have more than one. Sometimes yeah, they're enough... facial bases. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about San Jose. Um, yeah. Oh. Is that the tagline for this episode? Enough about San Jose. <laughs> about San, but enough about enough griping about San Jose. Um, no, I just. Oh God, I don't want to go down that hole, but I do want to go down that hole because there was, a, I believe, a season ticket holder event recently where a guy asked a very horrible question to Doug Wilson. I know you, I know you can't talk about this, but talk about this, which is effectively, you know, what the question was in a very short winded way. Are we sure this wasn't a member of the local press in? Uh, it was probably a friend of a media guy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent positive. It wasn't a member of the local press because they fired the only good one they had in Shalana Goldman, um, and the rest of them weren't there because you didn't see their little mic cubes crammed up in his face. Because they were no, the rights holders, yeah. Yeah, no, they were. Um, uh, this was some. This had to have been. This I know it was a moderated event because sitting on the dais was Dan Rusinowski, who was the radio voice of the Sharks, sitting next to Doug Wilson. Then mm. they generally do that when they have a season ticket holder type event, you know, a special event, like a state of the sharks type thing for season ticket holders. Um, <clears throat> Doug Wilson said the word playoffs like five times in his answer. Never were, never once said the word Stanley cup or cup. Missing the playoffs is not acceptable. We have to make sure that we make the playoffs. We, you know, we don't enjoy when we miss the playoffs. We have to reassess how we can make the team better to make the playoffs. Never once did he said, did he say, to win a Stanley Cup. Everything on that scale was about making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that's to me is you know pretty damning, especially when you contrast it with the goat rodeo that is Buffalo. And and if you haven't heard Dwayne on WGN epic rant, which God love Dwayne, because you could clearly hell clearly hear a few times where he self censored him. <laughs> he self censored the F word because he went and then brought it back around to something else. So 
for that alone, Dwayne, you're my first star of the week. Um, <laughs> to turn around and have the Pagulas at a press conference talk about dedicating themselves to winning a Stanley Cup. You hear, you know, I, I think Tom Dundon even mentioned it a couple of times during his introduction press conference. I never heard it once from Doug Wilson. What's the ultimate goal of a hockey team? Is it to make the playoffs or to win the cup? Should be to win the cup. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind of a little telling about where his priorities are. Is he and is he just in job preservation mode? He's been in job preservation mode from day one. From day one. I mean, from the outside looking in, you could argue, all right, he he's taken his shots, whether it was these are moves or lip service, make it look like I'm I'm making an attempt versus these were sound strategies to build a winner. But I'm not sure what he's doing anymore. He walked into a franchise that had fairly substantial depth, good resources, good young core. And over the course of his 15 years now, I think we're in, or 16 years, managed to eviscerate everything and still... Keep his job. (laughs) And still snake charm people into believing that this is a cup contender every year. So he was, he buys, he buys in all his talent. So he was nega Jim Rutherford. A little bit. Yeah. They had the same tactic tactics, but completely different resources and assets. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point, just treading water. Yeah. And at some point the bill came due and something had to happen. Yeah. And this is, this is the, biggest bill coming due i think when they missed the playoffs previously that was and i don't i'm not going to use the analogy because it's really wrong to say earthquake in california but that was the first sort of little mild tremor that there was something bigger underneath and i think this is probably the bigger one because you want to talk about how you know, and, and I'll go back again. Everyone that continues to to espouse the nonsense that they draft so great. Well, if they draft so great, how come they're free falling with the loss of two players, Hurdle and Couture? I mean, that reminds what? me, I need to work on my project. <laughs> <laughs> you want to? Yeah, exactly. You want to know who drafts great? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. Don't look at somebody who, those are substantial players, but again, I'll go back to this, is Logan Couture number one center for any team in the NHL other than the Sharks? And Wait, he, he was considered those, the number one center? You bet. I, I at know, this point in his career. I know he yep. was kind of playing the, playing the role of, because I would argue they don't have it. They didn't have so anyone that was a number one, but he was playing it well. But if they were under that assumption, <clears throat> then. Whew. So, yeah, well, there's your problem, right? So, again, enough about the Sharks. Because <laughs> um, it just seems like I, I always fall back to them because they're such an example 
in so many different cases <laughs> how not to trade assets to bring in big overpriced talent how not to sign that talent long term and then watch that talent actually be worse and Eric Carlson is still a fantastic defense uh, Eric Carlson type player but he's not Eric Carlson anymore. Oh, he, he's a, he's a full-time right. rover now because yeah. to play defense, and, you have to he, be able to skate backwards. Right, and that's exactly what I was going to say. And he is two he's different a full-time players. rover who can barely rove. Yeah, yeah, he's he's two different players depending upon what direction and what where his feet are pointed. Oh, it's, God, yeah. It's really yeah. amazing. So would you yeah. say Doug Wilson's biggest problem is he hasn't traded enough with the Buffalo Sabres? <laughs> Ottawa. I think he needs to trade more with Ottawa. Well, no, it's like any big deal that Buffalo has done, and I would say oh, Jason right, Bottero right, right. Yeah, has done things with the best interest of the team, but everything has gone well for his trade partner and just kind of blown up in his face. Well, I don't know. Well, no, he wasn't GM when the Evander Kane deal went down, was he? No, he was not. That that was uh that uh, that was our friend. Former Ottawa. Um, wow. All, all roads lead through Ottawa. Uh, Tim. <laughs> Tim glasses blunt at the draft table. Yeah, we Yeah, we know. Okay. Murray. Yes, Tim Murray. Right, yes. Oh. Snow Buddy Robinson. Yeah. There's a name you can remember. Snow <laughs> <laughs> Sam Tom, Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> he's no uh, he's no Oleg Tevardorsky that's for damn sure um, John Nemesnikov name Stinkov oh number 90 uh, in your draft list God love the Ottawa Senators <laughs> they uh, Putting the fear of God into Toronto is my favorite thing in the world to watch happen. And you got a team that's basically running on a government budget, and not the U.S. government, a Canadian Canadian government budget, up against the mega corporation. <laughs> that was a highly entertaining two-one game. That was it. See, that was two-one games can be fun. So can Especially in playoffs. Oh, very much so. You know what? You know what's not fun though? Three O games. Especially when you're Vegas Golden Knights and the Nashville Predators. Um or the Tampa Bay Lightning and the San Jose Sharks. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the hell? I love this sport. It's so stupid. <laughs> There, there's another shining example of buying in talent because you're inept at drafting Nashville. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg are your high-priced talent who are doing absolutely nothing that you overpaid for. Mm-hmm. Reputation. What do you mean? <laughs> Forsberg was overpaid for? Are we sure about that? His contract. Okay, that's a different story. I'm not uh, the initial the initial trade. 
a chance in hell. That oh, that was, was that fleecing, was and now they're overcorrecting. They're overcorrecting Correct. for for you know their exactly their past exactly. sins. See, it see the world the world balances out in the end, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you may have fleeced me, but he's gonna fleece you on his contract, right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that think that you know Eric this the Eric Carlson deal was a steal, but guess what? Here comes the receipts. <laughs> How's that contract? And oh, by the way, they got your first round pick. Whoops. Um, so hello, welcome to Ottawa, Clinton Byfield, and Alexis Lafreniere. Um I'm pr- I'm uh, praying they get one too. Oh, I would love it. I would love that. Oh my god, I would love it. I was playing NHL 20 with my Bia Pro the other night and I got drafted. Oh, by Vancouver. We'll deal with that later. Um, and the, the the draft ordering came out, and they they attempt to do the sort of lottery thing in there, and it was hysterical because Vancouver had two picks that year, and um, via the Islanders, their pick went from six went from thirteenth to second, and I'm going. Oh, I don't want that to happen. I just want it to be literally Ottawa 1, or San Jose 1, Ottawa 2, Detroit 3. <laughs> just let it be that way and we'll all be happy. I don't want to see another New Jersey jump up or who was it a few years ago that really made it? There was somebody that made a bigger jump. Or was it New Jersey? Chicago uh, made a sizable one last year, but that's not the. And then Carolina did, but they yeah, never Carolina, got the number one. Yeah. I think it may have. I think I'm. I might be thinking the New Jersey jumped pretty good. Dallas, Dallas is one I was thinking. They just barely missed the playoffs and they jumped. Oh right, yeah. When they got uh, Heisken in. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yay, my brain is not completely failing me. Um, I just want, that to me is just, this is the one year I don't want the lottery to be lottery. I want it to kind of be, you know, here you go. Ottawa, San Jose, and Detroit are your top three. And not even, I don't even care if Detroit gets the first pick. I want Ottawa to get two picks in the top three in any order. Could be one and three, one and two, two and three. Don't care. Just want it to happen so bad. just for the utter chaos I'm in such a chaos mode after watching that Battle of Alberta because god that was so much fun (laughs) and usually blowouts are are just terrible to watch but no that was I mean granted I fell asleep during the middle of it during their thir- you know two minute lull late in the second period, yeah, <laughs> you know, long changes have to ruin something. Yeah, exactly. Well, they needed an intermission in the action. Yeah. Or a mercy rule. I, no, no, no mercy rules. No mercy is for the weak. Um, <laughs> no, it just costs you points in the standings. Sweep the leg, Goudreau. Sweep the leg. Um, yeah, because I just want Jeff Ward to tell Johnny Goudreau, sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the leg. Go after Car- 
<laughs> go after Connor's right knee. Um, and then that, Connor to be just all up there with the crane technique and scoring a goal that way. <laughs> that's about the only way he hasn't scored a goal yet. For now. <laughs> yeah, but, well, whole, I hate to say this, but as long as he's not playing against Giordano much more this season, uh, hopefully he won't have to. Because we know oh, he can't. Yeah. Jesus. That's the one, I'll say the one thing that kind of did surprise me a little bit was there wasn't any reciprocity against Giordano. Nobody really went after him. Well. And God bless little Sam Gagne for the one that really, he, he pulled the pin out of the grenade. That little, there was, Talbot was down covering the puck and he just took a little poke at it and then boom. You're like, oh, okay, so that's what, that's the pin in the grenade you just pulled. Hmm, okay. <laughs> oh, just so much fun. And no, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, but concussions and blah, blah, blah. You're going to get more concussions out of hits than you're out of fights. Just let it go, people. Especially those types of fights. Um, exactly. I mean, but if there's one takeaway, it's that Matthew Kachuk should never fight again because Boy, is he bad. <laughs> you think his dad would have prepared him better than that? Yeah, but I don't... I would have to look up his numbers, but I could never really remember Kachuk ever fighting, which I'm sure... I'm sure Keith had to at some point, but... Oh, Keith did, yeah. yeah but Keith if they're not super memorable, it's... I know how to survive and get my shot. I know how not to get killed, but I might not TKO somebody else. There are a lot of people, and I'm looking specifically at Edmonton, <laughs> um, who were less than pleased that he went after Ethan Bear. Because of all the people that were on the ice at that time, he decided to pick up with Ethan Bear, who's, you know, a kid out of Seattle Thunderbirds, basically. Been trying pretty good for him, but he is not a big guy and you know darnell nurse is standing out there and matthew kachuk decides to go after ethan bear and there's a lot of sort of um people that are eating crow who are less than pleased that cassian went after kachuk you know because you got a bruiser going after a skill guy so you've got a kachuk going after bear who's a smaller guy than him Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People that thought it was done, no, <laughs> no. So I we really just wish. every I'm trying to think, but I, I want that last game of the season between the two of them to be just a complete Thunderdome. <laughs> Just may, a complete Thunderdome. It might cost us a first-round matchup, but I think it'll be worth it in the end. I, hey, you know what? That's fine by me, because if they meet in the second round, <laughs> even better. They meet in the conference finals? Oh, boy. I just want it to be a Thunderdome. I'm I'm totally fine with, with Riddich flipping his stick up in the air after the shootout win. 
in Edmonton. I'm fine with the Oilers players just riding him to task when he got pulled in the game in Calgary. Just, you know, more. And I'm not a big wrestling fan, but you got to love this kind of heat. Genuine heat between these two. I want him to start cutting promos. Oh, I'm tired thinking about that game. <laughs> I I was going to say earlier, it's the first game I've had to come down from for a while. Because I was yeah. just like, oh, ooh, you know, you see Mike Smith skate out to center ice and sort of Ken Drydenly, you know, with his goalie stick and his hand on there, kind of staring down at the other end of the ice. And then all of a sudden, I didn't see this until... Um, Somebody posted a picture of it today, but there's a shot of Darnell Nurse who was down by Dave Riddich, who's pointing out at center. It was like basically telling Riddich to get out to center ice and go talk to Mike Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, my. All right. So I just had to look this up. Uh, Keith Kachuk had... 51 career fights. Yeah, he was not... He wasn't shy about that. No, he he did not wilt away from any of those. Now, 40... 23 of them came in his first five years during the early 90s when having 201, 255, 152 penalty minutes for the Winnipeg Jets was normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he had 17 in Arizona, and then, you know, it tapered off. Phoenix. No, he was in the state of Arizona. I never said the name of the team. They were still Phoenix back then. He was in the state of Arizona. I did not call them the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, fine. Off by a technicality. Thank you. (laughs) You are technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating that he actually had fight totals in both Winnipeg Jets franchise histories. How many? Do you think there's anyone else that could say that? Oh, dear God. Did he have a fight with the. He had thrash- two with the Thrash. With the Thrashettes? He did. Or the Jetthers? Uh, let's see. I like Jetthers. Jetthers. Not bad. The Atlanta Peg Thrasher Jets. The Atlanta Peg Jetthers. It kind of sounds like Mike Tyson. (laughs) The Atlanta Peg Jetthers. Did you say Jesters? No, Jetthers. Okay. buddy of mine posted a picture of a beer just completely off topic that he'd poured today that had a whole bunch of um, foam on it. And I said, WTF, why so much foam? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you do it with the Mike Tyson lisp, it's better. Why so much foam? Wow. Kachuckers. I was... Um, to sort of circle back around post All-Star game really quick, I was kind of amazed that Kachuk Matthew poked 
Cassian for a fight in that first game because he didn't need to. He had full heel status at that point. He didn't need to do anything other than run around, live rent-free in their heads. And he went and asked for the fight. And I and I posted this question to Anthony Stewart and Jeff Merrick, and neither one of them probably saw it. I'm wondering if, if Keith said anything to Matt at the All-Star game about you better stand up for those hits because, you know, like it legal or not, those were pretty BS hits. Because Keith, Keith still got a little bit of that code of honor in him. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if he didn't get on Matt about that. Because Matt, there was no reason for Matt to fight. He didn't he didn't need to own up to anything. And and Matt's excuse for fighting post-game was I didn't like what was being said about me. And it's like and you just now learned how to read? Because <laughs> stuff's been said about you for a while, big guy. <laughs> Wait, did he play NCAA or junior? This is yeah. a very important question. Uh, USHL, I think. Maybe yeah. junior. USHL? All right. That yeah, that means he knows how to go to high school, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he has some <laughs> modicum of education available. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't buy that whole thing. I didn't like what was being said about me. No, it, it definitely sounded like a rehearsed answer. Um, yeah, and that and that just is what sort of led me to go into the whole thing of, I wonder if he didn't get a little talking to from Dad at All-Star Weekend. Yeah, it was probably more along the lines of, Dad doesn't like what's being said about me. I don't think Dad cares. No, he does not. Like, from a public perspective, about, you know, taking care of his son. Yeah. It just... It it just felt to me like this was purely about the on-ice reputation, not the off-ice reputation. Mm -hmm. It just... It just... I don't know. It it feels that way to me. So... Oh, and okay. Matthew Kachuk went from the uh, U.S. National Development Program to the London Knights, so um, reading optional? Oh, that's right. That's right. He was with the Hunters. Yeah. The greatest hockey talent of mine's out there. Um. Anyway. <clears throat> oh, God, Cassie, please pull the shoot before I go off on Andrew's rant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my question is completely unrelated to what we've been talking about. Um, yes. It was That's how we some... work best. Yeah. So there was a tweet earlier this week that Jeff Merrick had actually retweeted. They might have talked about it on 31 Thoughts. I don't know. But um, hypothetical question because it would never actually happen. So when Seattle comes into the NHL in the fall of 2021, should the NHL schedule a game between Seattle and Montreal to decide the 1919 Stanley Cup, which was canceled due to the Spanish flu epidemic? Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. This has been the 3B3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.